you are. God, we thank you for your protection, God. Even as I just shared, you blocked that accident. But God, there are so many things that you blocked that we just don't see. God, you blocked a lot of us from some things this morning that we just didn't even see and we didn't take the time to recognize and stop and say thank you. So God, thank you from, for blocking the things that we did not know almost happened. Um, God, right now we're asking that you would just um, give us a word this morning, God, that you might speak through me, that your people might see you and not see me, that they might hear your voice and not mine, God, that I might speak clearly and that the word might be received and that somebody's life might be changed as a result of what we're going to look at this morning. God, right now, I ask that you would open our hearts. God, we don't want to just be here because we're supposed to. We don't want to be here just out of routine. But God, right now, I'm asking that you would open our hearts, that we might be longing for a word from you, that we might be receptive for a word from you. In your precious name, we do pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So as you know, we've been talking about God is love, um, and this is all year. You know, to be honest, I'm a little, I'm a little upset that I got here during the church, um, and I didn't get to experience each, each session with you, but we went through pre-creation, creation, conflict, covenant, Christ, the church, and now we are at recreation. Um, and so we've been talking a little bit about what that recreation period looks like, and we went through the different parables. Uh, we talked about the ten versions, and we talked about the talents, and, you know, we've been talking about a lot of the end-time events that are kind of come to place, and right now we're talking about uh, um, the ceiling, and last week a uh, pastor talked about the shaking. He talked about how the, the Laodicean church, which is us, he said that God had nothing good to say about us, and he talked about the fact that we either had to be hot or we have to be cold. He talked about the fact that there is no middle and we have to be hot or we're going to be cold. And we, a lot of us are in the middle because we feel like we can kind of, you know, kind of play it safe and be in the middle, be lukewarm. Um, but the Bible tells us otherwise. So we're going to look at our text this morning um, that comes from Revelation. If we can just go to the, the next slide. Um, the next big thing, yes, is the series that we're, you know, we're under. And so we're going to go to the text, you can go to the next one. And so we're going to be reading from Revelation um, chapter 7. All right, so Revelation 7 verse 1, it says, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. All right, so we're not going to be here long this morning, but I just want to kind of paint the scene and make sure you're understanding what's happening. Now, you have the four angels, and it says they're, um, they're holding from the four corners. That's, that's symbolizing the fact that, listen, this is a global thing, that, that once the angels let go, then it's over, all right? So this is a global thing for the world, and so now they're holding back the winds 
They're holding back the destruction that we've been talking about over these past few weeks. They're holding it back, all right? And so now you see them, and they're holding it back, and, and here we are, and you see another angel that's coming, and the angel, other angel comes in, and the other angel screams, wait. And so we're wondering now what's going on there. The, the, the people are, the angels are there and they're saying, wait, it's not time yet. Don't harm them. And the Bible says, it says, wait, don't harm them because I have not placed the seal of God on their foreheads of his servants. Now, what is the seal of God? Now, if we look in Ephesians um, chapter 2, um, specifically verse 13, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So now this is in Ephesians, and it looks like it's saying that the seal of God is the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to the next slide where you'll see this is a quote from Ellen G. White. Now it says, just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads, it is not any seal or mark that can be seen. It is not a seal or mark that can be what? Seen. seen. So it's saying it cannot be seen, but it is a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be moved. Just as soon as God's people are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. So now that's saying that it's a settling into the truth. Now, who guides us into the truth? The Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the next verse, which is John 16, 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Into what truth? Some truth? All truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So we see here from, from that, we see that it's saying that the seal of God is the Holy Spirit that leads us into the truth. So this is a time where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is leading us into the truth, leading us into being who God has truly called us to be. Um, we talked about this last week. Like I said, the pastor made it very clear. You can go to the next picture. The pastor made it very clear that we're either hot or we're cold. And I truly believe that what the Holy Spirit is doing right there, okay, he's going to have to lead us into that truth for us to figure out, listen, you've got to choose. He's leading us into that truth to say, listen, either you're going to be hot or you're going to be cold. Because it's saying that he's coming to give the seal of God, and the seal of God can't be given to those who are in the middle. It's either you're going to be hot or you're going to be cold. Um, Has anybody ever got anything notarized? You've got some things notarized? All right, we're going to go to the next thing. So you can, you can kind of help me out. Um, notarized. Now, I had to look it up. I, I know what it is, but I personally have never got anything notarized. I've been in the car when somebody went to get something notarized. But I, I have not got anything notarized. Now, when we looked it up, notarized, now it said that it's sometimes a signature is not enough to show that a document is legally acceptable. Some offices or banks may require you have your document notarized. Which means that a notary witness, you, a notary witnesses you actually signing the documents and places a seal or a stamp beside the signature to indicate that the signature is legitimate. This is important to avoid identity theft, fraud, and lawsuits. 
Now just stick with me for just a, just a second. Go back, to the, go back to that first one, sorry. Just stick with me just for a second uh, um, and, and use your imagination just a little bit so we can kind of just make this thing clear. Um, it's saying that something needs to be notarized, and when it's notarized, it gets a seal, it gets a stamp, it gets something that says, it, it's, a, it's an approval, a, a, a seal that says, yes, this is legitimate. Now, I, I just kind of believe that when Christ comes again, he wants some legitimate people. He wants some legitimate Christians that are following after him. Christ is not coming back for illegitimate people. He's not coming back for people who says this is important to avoid identity, theft, fraud, and lawsuits. He's not coming back for people who are frauds, who want to look one way, but truly act and be another way. He's coming back for people who are legitimate. It says that it's important to avoid identity theft. When I think of Satan and all that he's done, that's all he's trying to do is be an identity theft, to be a fraud, to mess up what God says. For everything good, that everything that God has something good, Satan has something bad, he is not, he, he, he's, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. And so when we look at notarizing something, that's what it says, and I, I can just only kind of compare it to the ceiling that when Christ comes back, he's looking for somebody who's legitimate. Let's go on to the next one. When you notarize something, I looked up, well, how does that um, process work? You know, like, Willie, what do you need to do? Like, how does it happen? Um, Martin, if you go to the next one, it'll tell you what it is. It says, getting a document notarized means that you have proven to the notary who you are. Now, that means that I can't come in and, and I, I, I have to tell them who I am. I can't just say, well, I'm Regina. You know, they have to know for sure who I am. I have to give them my, my license or something so that they, they know what it is. Um, ultimately, what it's saying is that they want to know your identity. They want to know your identity. And I can only believe that when Christ comes back again, he's going to ask you, who are you? He's going to need to know your identity. He's not going to just ask you, well, were you in church? But he wants to know your identity. Who are you? What's your character like? You know, are you nice? Are you kind? Did you help somebody out? He wants to know who are you? Is your identity in me? It says that when you sign a document, you do it in the presence of a notary public, meaning that they're going to be there when it happens. And I just kind of want to point out that you're in, the, you're in the presence of that person. When Christ comes back, we're in the presence of God. I think sometimes we kind of look at it like you're not answering to the pastor. You're not answering to your neighbor. You're not answering to your parents. You're not answering to your brother, to your sister. You are in the presence of God, and that's going to be a conversation that you and God have to have. And then it says in that you are signing the document voluntarily. Hmm. I say, well, where? What, what does that say? Well, hmm. God is not coming back for people who are being forced into something. 
God doesn't want you to choose him because somebody's behind you with a gun to your head. God's looking for some people that are voluntarily in love with him. People that, people that want it. They're not there. You're not there because you, you just feel like if you don't, you're going to hell and you're just, you're just making and forcing yourself. He wants some people that genuinely care and are voluntarily saying, God, I choose you. You can be forced, but we know that's not the kind of God that we serve. If he was in the forcing business, <laughs> well, you know, we would be in bad shape. If we was in the forcing business, he could force us all to worship him and call it and make it the end of the day. But that's not, you know, that's not what he's about. That's not, the, that's not love. He's a God of love, and that's not love. Nobody wants to be in a love relationship where you're forced into that thing. Because that, that's, that's not love. The next thing it says, it says, once signed, the notary affixes his stamp or seal to the document, which is then considered notarized. Once God comes and has that conversation with us, those were just a few things, but just, just to kind of give you a perspective, but once God comes and he gives us that seal, won't that be a good day? Won't that be a good day where when you're, when you're able to, because I believe God is continually having that conversation with us. He's continually asking us, what's your identity? He's trying to get us ready for this process. So when it's over, that we're ready and he can say, okay, I can, I can, I can, I can say it, you're protected. I can say you're coming back with me. I can say that. And I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a continuous process that he's with right now saying, listen, get your identity together. Get yourself together. And can you just imagine on that day when Christ comes back, you knowing that you are protected? But I guess if I ask that question, I also have to ask the question, can you imagine when Christ comes back, you not being protected? When you look at the notary, it talks about the cost. That's the last thing we're looking at with it. And it says, Banks, financial institutions, law offices, tax preparers, car dealers, and many other offices may have a notary officer who can do the service for a fee. And so I, I thought about the fact that, sure, when you go there, you need a service and you, you have to pay a fee. But when I thought about what Christ did, I said, well, does he charge us for this fee? The thing about it is he already paid the fee. He already paid the fee. You can go ahead to the next one and then you're good. He already paid the fee. You got to, he already paid the fee. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yes, we know he died for us. But what you have to realize is that he died for us so that he would have the power to be able to say, you're mine, you're safe. So that he would be able to be that notary. So he would be able to have the power to be the one who's doing the sealing. To be able to say, my blood can cover that. You messed up, but my blood can cover that. You messed up, but my blood can cover that. He died in order that we might be able to have that opportunity. That we might be able to have a chance 
Because had he not died, where would we be? And I think sometimes we don't, we don't, uh, we don't realize and we don't remember, we don't pay attention to the fact of how much he actually went through in order to be able to have the opportunity to be the one to decide, I can cover you. I can cover you. We're talking about the cost of it, and we're talking about the fee. Stick with me. I'm going to try and do this slowly. The reality is, I can't do it. I can't sit here and act like I'm somebody. I can't sit here and let you think that you're a nobody because God formed, molded, and created you, which makes you somebody. Which is the reason that you ought to value, love, and protect your body. Because the honest and true reality is that for you, he gave up his body. He was so focused that he died a brutal death by the accounts of Satan's little busy bodies. And all, and all what... And what makes it crazy is that he has the power to kill or stifle anybody, yet for you and for me, he allowed mere humans to pierce the side of his body, all because he wanted to give you the chance to be somebody. Because had he not died, your life would consist of, well, you'd be nobody. And actually, that would be the reality of everybody, but instead, he loves us so much that he died to allow his blood to be our antibody. The blood of Christ works like an antibiotic that kills the toxic waste, the waste within our hearts, our souls, our minds that we try to hide daily with a smiling face. His blood works better than any antibiotics because they can attack some of the cells, but his blood is able to completely erase. His blood is so powerful it allows you to press on through the sin that is sprayed over your life and into your eyes like mace. His blood is intelligent. It can rearrange your life to ensure that everything is in the right place. His blood has astounding editing skills. It can review paragraph after paragraph of your life and then press cut, get a new book, and then press paste. His blood became the red ribbon to be pinned on your chest because if you want first place, it's already yours. He already won the race. You just need to accept the blood and go ahead, kick pride in the face, and in his I want you, I love you, you're my child chase. Because salvation is yours. It's what the whole world is searching for. Freedom, the thing they all covet and adore. You're empty, searching and thinking. In life, there has to be, there has to be, there has to be something more. While all the while, he's knocking on the door. So how about you truly decide to open it up and completely stop making this a chore? Because you see, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love, that's Love, they hung him high and they stretched him wide and he hung his head. And for me and for you, he died. And when we first accepted him and we heard the story, we cried. And now when we hear the song or when we think about what happened, we kind of just sigh. Because we reflect on all that he did for us and how little we do for him. And we think, shaking my head, oh my. But the reality is salvation is ours. It's free. We just haven't accepted it. So the real question at hand is why? You see, because that's not how the story ends, because three days later he rose again. That's love. That's love. Yes, 
is love. He loves you and he loves me. And us all loving each other is the way that it ought to be. Can we decide to stop being stupid and accept salvation? I mean, nowadays, we all love things that are free. Who wouldn't choose eternal life over damnation, even if you don't have to pay a fee? Think about it. Because if we haven't accepted Christ, the fool is you and me. I choose the blood of Christ to be my antibody because I want to be somebody. Care to join is open to any and everybody. Listen. The sacrifice that Jesus made is not something that we ought to take lightly. The sacrifice that Jesus made is not something for us just to talk about. The sacrifice that Jesus made was not just for us to get songs like the blood so that we can just come and sing about them and not think nothing of it. The sacrifice that he made It's real. It's not just a story that we're reading. It's real. And it's not that we just sing there's power in the blood. But his blood, it's better than any antibiotic that we can take. It's better than any counseling session that we can go to. It's better than any pastor can give you. His blood has the healing power that we need. And his blood has the saving power that we need. And when Christ comes again and he has to choose who's going to get the seal, who's going to be protected. Because when I look at that, that's what I see. I see you're protected, you're not. You're protected, you're not. And it's not on his account, it's on our account. And his blood has given him the power to be able to choose. His blood has has given him the power to be able for us to choose him. When I look at the text, The part that stood out to me the most was the part that said, wait, with an exclamation. It said, wait. It says that the the angels are there and they're holding the four corners and they're ready to let go. And when they let go, that the whole world is going to be over and that the winds are going to overtake the earth. But then it says, wait. And when I see the weight, all I see is compassion. All I see is grace. All I see is love. From God saying, wait. Wait. And God is saying, wait, because he wants us to choose. He wants to be able to give us that protection. He wants to. But he's saying, wait. But the reality is, he can only say, wait, but for so long. But for so long. It's funny, we talk about waiting and we talk about the fact that we don't like to wait. Because I think I've already shared with you about my problems. I'm impatient. We don't like to wait. God, why are you, why are you moving so slow? God, are you there? God, do you hear my prayers? God, what's going on? Because we don't like to wait. And I could just, I, uh, and this is why I'm not God, because, I mean, I would be there if I was God, thinking, well, you're talking about I'm making you wait. Do you realize that you're making me wait? I could end it all. 
You, you, you're, you're complaining about a little money that you're waiting on. You're complaining about a car. You're complaining about a marriage. You're complaining about this. You're complaining about that. But do you realize that if you stop making me wait, ah. Paul, if we stop making him wait, he's saying, listen, I'm trying to end all that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to completely turn your life around. I'm trying to make it, make it make sense for you. I'm trying to do what, what you're asking me to do. I'm trying to fix your problems more than you even know. But you, you think you, <laughs> oh, we think God is making us wait. We're making him wait. And I can only just imagine, I can only just imagine when the time comes, the excuses that we'll try to have. To be honest, I really just, I, I just want to make this real for you so that you understand how important it is. Because, like I said, he can always say, wait, but for so long. But for so long. And I don't know what more, I really sometimes I wonder what goes through God's mind. Because like I said, I'm not God and that we know why. Because it, it, I would just wonder. But what more do I have to do? What more do I have to do? People are dying left and right. Every day. It doesn't have to be a, a it doesn't have to be, it, every day, like it's never, life is, life is short. <laughs> it's not, it's not promised to you. And it's just like, what more does he have to do for us to realize it's time to stop playing around. It's time to stop playing around. And these, these sermon series are, are connecting. God is saying, listen, I'm trying to give you my protection. You got to either be hot or you got to be cold. Listen, he's saying, I'm trying to protect you. You saw how those foolish virgins, they, 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 they did one thing. They studied, they went to church, but they didn't take time to get to know me. They prayed for the Holy Spirit. I gave them the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit said, go left, they went right. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit tells you, come, you go. Yeah. Listen. It, <laughs> we have to get to a point where... We make a decision now, and we act on it. And when I say act on it, I mean like for real, for real. Because I, I think that's our problem. Because this is, to be honest, this, to be honest, because some of this kind of gets on my nerves, the whole church concept and what we do. And I say that because of myself, not because of you, but because of myself. Because this is what we do. We come here, and you hear me. Like, you, you get it. Like, you legitimately hear what I'm saying. I see it in your face. Roscoe, you're with me. Like, you understand, you know, you're nodding your head, and you, you're understanding what I'm saying. The, in, the, times, the end times are coming, and you need to get your life together, and you need to be hot or cold. You can't be warm, or you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And that all sounds good. It sounds good until life happens. And then life happens, and it's kind of like, well, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, 
I mean, I know that's what they say is going to save me. But. You're right. But. And you got to finish that but for yourself. I don't know. We all have, we all have a but. But God, I'm sick of waiting. But God, I'm tired. But God, I'm not really feeling that right now. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on my dreams. I'm trying to work on my career. Uh, but God, I'm, I'm, I'm my family. But God, uh, my spouse. But God, and it's always a but. So I guess the the appeal today, because like I said, I know, you're with me. <laughs> you you understand what I'm saying, yeah. and you agree. Can I? Or, am I right? You agree that you need to get your life together. You're not going to argue with me. Duh. We, we want to go to heaven. We want to do what Christ wants us to do. We know that. We know that. But can we decide today to kind of remove that but? There's a, a, a saying that I hear all the time, like, don't try and put a, um, let me not mess this up. Don't try and put a comma where there should be a period. You know, a lot of times we try and continue things. God said that's over, but we're like, no, let's just put a comma and keep it going. I think I want to reverse that today and say, we've been putting a comma. (laughs) We've been saying, God, I know I'm supposed to do this, but comma, I don't feel like it. God, I want to trust you, but comma, where's the comma, but, am I saying that wrong, anyway, can we change that to say, God, I want to serve you, God, I want to serve you, to be honest, let's let's put a period right there, you can put an and, and I need your help. If you want to add a conjunction, if you're that type of person, you just need a, if you need to continue the sentence, add an and, and I need your help. But God, I want to serve you, period. God, I want to serve you, period. So when it gets shaky and you're not feeling like it, you remind yourself, God, I want to serve you, period. I don't care that I don't want to. I already said I want to serve you, period. God, I want to serve you, period. That's, that's all I came to say this morning. God, I want to serve you, period. It, it, you have to, it, it has to be at some point. It has to be at some point. We can't keep, can't keep doing this. We can't keep doing this. At some point, you've got to say, you got to put a period on there. Because the thing is, oh, that's good. The thing is, if you're not putting a period, it's going to be a real long run-on sentence. You got, God, I want to serve you, comma, but I don't feel like it. You come back next week. But God, I want to serve you, comma, but God, they hurt my feelings, comma, but God, I want to serve you, comma, but God, I'm hurting, comma. And you will go on and on and on and on. And many of you know what I'm saying because you've been living a run-on sentence life. Because I'm talking about myself. A run-on sentence life where it's just a cycle. Is anybody just sick of the cycle? Yes. 
Are we sick of the cycle? Personally, I'm sick of the cycle. I'm sick of the cycle. I'm sick of a run-on sentence life. And if anybody can agree, I just want you to, but before like, before you like stand up for real, I want you to think about it. (laughs) Don't just say yes, because that's what you're supposed to do. Really think about it. Like, are you really tired of that run on life? Because I'm going to stand first saying, because I came in here, I'm tired of it. I know I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the run on sentence. I'm, I'm tired of starting and stopping. Starting and stopping. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm ready to interject the period and say, listen, I'm done. God, I want to serve you no matter what it takes. If you want to say that today, that you, that you want to stop the run-on sentence, I invite you to stand. We're going to have a word of prayer that God will allow, allow us to really enter that period and give us the help that we need. There might be somebody here who, who needs to be baptized, who needs to get involved in Bible studies, who needs to say, listen, I hear what you're talking about, but I need help doing that. And we want you to know that we're here for you, and if there's somebody who wants to, wants to get in Bible studies, who wants to be baptized, who needs to make a major change, we invite you to come down at this time. And for all of you who are standing, the reality is the only way to really put that period in there is with the help of God. That's the only way. And a lot of times, that's why we keep failing, because we try and do it by ourselves. But God is saying, listen, I want to help you do this. I agree that you need a period. Let me be the period. Stop trying, to put, stop, trying to, stop trying to do it yourself. He's saying, listen, I'm the Arthur here. I, I can be the period. And so that's going to be our prayer right now. Father God, we thank you so much just for the second chance. God, we thank you so much for the grace. Because as we look at the text, God, we see you saying, wait. And God, we know you're saying, wait. Because you just want to save us. Because you want to be there for us. Because God, you care. Because God, you love us unconditionally. God, we want to be able to serve you because we want to. Not because anyone's making us or not because we feel obligated, but God, we want to love you for who you are. We want to love you freely. God, when you come back and you're passing out protection, God, and you're, 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 you're sealing those, God, we want to be in that number. So, God, right now we give you our lives completely. God, we're taking away the butts, God. We know it might be hard, but we're taking away the butts. And we're saying, God, we want to serve you, period. God, we're going to do whatever it takes for us to serve you, period. God, today we choose you, period. God, today we're walking behind you, following the steps that you have us to take, period. God, today we 
openly invite the Holy Spirit. Period. God, today when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we're going to listen. Period. Today we're saying we're going to spend time with you so that we know your voice clearly. Period. God, we're going to pray to you more because we want to get to know you better. Period. God, let today be a shift in things. God, let us not leave here just with the same routine, with the same run-on sentence. God, let us go home and just get rid of some things that, that have been holding us between you. God, let us turn off the television. God, I'm asking that even in the stillness of this moment that you speak to us and you tell each person individually some things that they just need to begin to alter. Because we can say that we're going to eliminate the butts and put a period. But God, right now we know we've tried this before. And ultimately, the difference this time has to be you. So God, I'm asking that you be the difference. God, that you would come into our lives and that we truly, this time we truly might be able to put that period, God, that you might be able to make things make sense for us. God, I pray that as we leave this place, we'll be able to realize just how powerful you are. And we'll be able to leave smiling knowing that if we put it in your hands, you can handle it. Smiling know that if we completely give our lives over to you, when you come again, we will be saved. God, we rejoice in this moment saying thank you. Because if we truly believe and we truly say, God, it's for you and God, it's up to you and God, we give our lives to you, we will be sealed when you come again. And we will rejoice in heaven because we made it over. So God, right now, we just say thank you. We give you a hand clap of praise just for being a God who saves, a God who loves, and a God who cares. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In your name we do pray. Amen. Powerful words. Uh, would the deacons please come forward for the lifting of this morning's tithes and offering? And church family, can we say uh, we serve an awesome God? Now let, let me let me do it again. Can y'all say we serve an awesome God? And I, I, I did that subtly just to see if how we respond. And just think if we show God that same amount of energy. Versus low energy. Think of the difference. So, uh, you know, this week was a, every week is always an interesting week. But the one thing I want to share with you guys, I I posted it the week, maybe a couple weeks ago on Facebook. In the morning before we, we leave out, our family gets in a circle and we pray together. And... We have a, a, my daughter has a little dog, and every morning, for the most part, the dog will come and join that circle while we're praying. And, you know, it's, 
I, I'm thankful that we have that little circle of prayer. And I, I think back to when we even read the, the, the book, The Circle Maker, you know. And there's so many important things as we draw ourselves to the Lord that the Lord never forsakes us. He does not. He never, ever forsake us. And sometimes we don't see what, what, we, what we've missed, what's been held back. So for those things, I just want to say thank you. Now, after offering, we do also the, the collection for the Place of Grace. We're going to have a few announcements, and then we'll have a benediction and the closing prayer. Prayer and over the tithes and offerings. Eternal God, our Father, thank you for the collection of funds, Father Lord. We, we know that with your hands, all things can be multiplied many fold, many times that we can't see, Father. And we thank you for uh, the powerful word today that, Father, we, when, we, we, when you want to end that, that time here, Father, we end it with a period and not a comma, not adding or interjecting ourselves into more than what you have allotted or what you want from us, Father. Lord, let us serve us serve you, Father, willingly, Father, and voluntarily, Father, not forcibly, but voluntarily, Father. Thank you again, Father, and Lord, we just ask that you bless the funds. We bless each of the households represented here, Father, and Lord, we continue to lift our pastors up. Bless us and keep us, Father, in Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. Now, we're also, we're going to also have the uh, collection for the Place of Grace, uh, as well as the uh, rental collection for uh, Euclid. There are the pink envelopes if you want to um, put them in the envelopes there. The ushers have them in the rack. If not, uh, would you mind please coming forward? It's $10. $10 Sabbath. That's right. We're, we're building up the temple and church family. Um, <laughs> building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple for my Lord. Building up the temple for my Lord. Building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple for my Lord. Glenville, will you help me? Glenville, will you?